Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's get ready to prepare our hearts and lean into the Word of God. I want you to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell him you look good this morning. Could you do that real quick? I'm going to tell your other neighbor you don't look too bad yourself. (laughs) Hey, for those of you that do not know me, my name is Josh, and alongside my beautiful wife, Joanna, we have the privilege of pastoring this amazing, incredible church lighthouse. Give yourselves a round of applause. You guys are amazing, incredible. We love you all. And listen, if this is your first time here, one more time, Lighthouse, can we clap our hands for all of our first-time guests who are here? I think I see some first-time guests, and I'm not trying to point you out. What I'm actually trying to do is point you to the free gift that we have for you. So if this is your first time here, we have a gift for all of our first-time guests. Go right to that Start Here canopy right after church. We're going to hook you up with the gift card so you can have some Starbucks on us. I know that it's hot right now, but you can get one of those Frappuccinos or a cold brew or something like that. Just It's our way of saying thank you for coming, and we can't wait to have you back. So one more time, Lighthouse, clap your hands for all of the first-time guests. Let me get a little more more monitor, Pastor. And let's dive into our our word. I know we are are having to endure some of this heat today. Isn't San Diego the most bipolar weather city on the planet? I mean, last week, you guys were wearing boots, beanies. Last week, I think I saw a scarf, walked around holding your pumpkin spice lattes. I mean, we were falling last Sunday, weren't we? We were falling. It was like everyone. And then today, it's like, Lord, wrap it up, Pastor. I want to go home. So I'm going to try to go as quick as I possibly can. But you guys look great. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4. I've got one verse that I'm going to read to you. And then we're going to dive into our series, Shovel and Spear. We have been in this series for the last couple of months. This is going to take us through the month of October. And then the month of November, we got a bunch of new stuff coming up. And then it's going to be Christmas. Are you guys ready for Christmas yet? I love the mixed reactions. Some of you guys were like, I already decorated my house. (laughs) Some of you guys are like, heck no. Yeah. I don't think I'm quite ready for it yet, but ready or not, it's coming. So let's dive into the word. Nehemiah chapter four, verse six, and it reads as follows. So we built the wall and the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work for the people had a mind to work for the next few moments. I want to talk to you on this thought that I am simply calling. We did that. We did that. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to once again be in your presence amongst this beautiful community that you've rooted us in. Now, Father, as we've worshiped you, as we've taken communion, we now lean into the word. We have an opportunity to surrender, Lord God, our hearts to what your word is going to say to us. And as we surrender, God, I pray you speak to us. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak in such a way that we would walk out of here with a mandate to change, a a mandate to lean in, a, a mandate, Lord, to become more like you to be a Jesus follower, a mandate to walk closer to you. We believe you can do that today. So we open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Clap your hands, Lighthouse, and you may be seated. So speaking about about the weather, 
so last Friday, I'm not talking about two days ago. I'm talking about last Friday. How do you guys remember when the rain kicked in? It like just kicked in suddenly. We had a youth event. We had to cancel it because there was flash flooding going on in Vista. Well, my son plays football. He's the quarterback of his football team. They're in first place right now. That's not the point, but just saying, okay? And, and um, he had a double header that day, and the games were canceled. And just like this, you know, the plans changed. And if you are a father of children, you know that when weather isn't cooperating, you got to get really creative, right? So we're home for the night. We didn't plan on being home. We were going to go to two games, go out to dinner. We had our Friday night plan, but all the plans went out the door. So I did what every good dad should do. And I said, okay, boys, we're watching one of daddy's movies. How many fathers ever do that? Will you make your kids watch one of your movies? Is that just me? I do a lot of that. I said, okay, we're watching dad's movies. And so figuring that that, that, that particular week was the 20th anniversary of the movie Remember the Titans, I said, we're going to watch Remember the Titans. Can you believe it's been 20 years? Yeah, some of you were like, I was like, it's been 20. Am I getting to be that old? And yes, apparently I am. And so it was the 20th anniversary of Remember the Titans. Now, how many of y'all love that movie? I told you guys already a few weeks ago, I'm a Denzel fan. Any Denzel Washington movie, like I watched that. I was a Denzel before the superheroes, Marvel. I didn't need Thor. I didn't need Captain America. I didn't need Iron Man. I had Denzel. You know what I mean? Like he was my superhero. So I love a good Denzel movie. And so I put it on and we're watching this movie. It's such an incredible movie because it's, it, first off, it, it's, um, it's real, based on real life events when they desegregated this high school and they had to get black football players and white football players and come together and form a team. And in the midst of all of this um, racism that was happening, the climate of the country, it's kind of crazy because like my five and my seven-year-old, they're watching this and they don't understand it. They don't, they don't understand racism. They don't understand. I'm like, my, my son's like, why? And I'm like, well, the black, you know, the black football players couldn't be on the field with white football. Well, why, dad? That's silly. I'm like, it is silly, you know? But I'm having to, like, walk him through some of this as we're watching the movie. And what I love about it, again, it's not only just based on true events, but if you've ever seen the movie, they go undefeated. They win the state championship. I mean, it's just a great, great Denzel Washington movie. But... You know, it's, it's really amazing, though, how, again, this coach had to galvanize all of these high school kids. And I don't know if you've ever tried to galvanize high school kids. That's like herding cats. You know what I mean? That's a hard thing to do to get a bunch of high school kids to, to get on the same page. But he managed to not only get all these high school football players on the same page, but he took them to an undefeated season. And I think it's so incredible how he was able to do it, how he was able to get all these people to put their differences aside. Get all these people to think together. Get all these people to work together. And I see some of that in Nehemiah chapter 3. I know that I read a verse from chapter 4, but we're actually talking about chapter 3. Chapter 4, that verse early on there, lets us know how they were able to accomplish what they did in Nehemiah chapter 3. So as we've been talking about over the last few months, the exiles had left Babylon, the Jerusalem and the Jewish exiles who were in Babylon were allowed to go back to Jerusalem, rebuild their city. They, they began by building the altar, the temple, and uh, they didn't quite finish the walls. They, they, they didn't finish the job. And so Nehemiah comes back. He leads the third wave of exiles out of Babylon into Jerusalem to start building the walls once again. And, and so in chapter three, we get to the part of the story where they are now 
are working together to rebuild the walls. They, they are working together to start to rebuild the walls. Now, if you've ever read chapter three of Nehemiah, it's kind of a forgettable chapter. You read it and it's just like, and this family built this gate and this family built this gate and this family built this wall and this family built this wall. It's one of those chapters that honestly is a good read if you can't go to sleep at night. And it's real easy to say, okay, this is a lot of information, but I don't see any application. But today we're going to get into that application because here's what I believe. 2 Timothy 3.16, I love this passage of scripture, but let this, let this bake in you the next time you think you're reading the Bible and there's no application. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in the time of righteousness. So saying all of that, we're going to look back at Nehemiah chapter 3 and deep dive because there absolutely is some stuff that I think we can pull out. Does that sound good, Lighthouse? So let's dive in. So you'll notice throughout Nehemiah chapter 3, if you read it, you're going to see that it took a team to rebuild the walls. It absolutely took a team. In Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1, we read that Eliashib, the high priest, he gathered all the other priests and he said, hey, we're going to rebuild this gate right here. This is the sheep gate and we're going to rebuild this gate. Now, Nehemiah's got 31 verses and every single verse, it just details which family uh, which tribe, which person rebuilt this gate, this gate, this gate. In, in total, there were 10 gates that they rebuilt in Nehemiah chapter 3. It goes all the way down to Nehemiah verse 31 of that chapter when we read that Malchiah repaired the inspection gate. So all throughout that chapter, you're just reading. They repaired this gate. They repaired this wall. They repaired this gate. They repaired this wall. And here's the first application that I want you to see. And this is the first thing that I want you to write down. It takes a team. Okay? It takes a team. As, as I mentioned to you guys a few weeks ago, and I want to highlight this. As I mentioned to you all just a few weeks ago, uh, my son Jaden is a big Marvel guy. And I never was a Marvel guy. Again, Denzel guy. But, but I leaned in because I wanted to spend some time with my son. And here, here's what I learned about Marvel that I think that's so applicable. And we see it in the scriptures too. But in Marvel, you see the movies about Iron Man. He's got his own movie. And then Captain America, he's got his own movie. And Black Panther, he's got his own movie. But how amazing were the Avengers movies when they put everybody together? I mean, it was cool to see the movies when, you know, one guy got his movie and Black Widow, she got her movie and this person got their movie. But the biggest movies were when they put everybody together so that they could save the world or save the galaxy. That was pretty cool, right? Now, listen, that's not just Hollywood. Let me take you to the book of Acts and explain to you how God did the exact same thing with his early church. In Acts, in the book of Acts, we read that God uses his disciples to move his early church forward. And, and there were 11 of them. One of them, you know, we talked about him just a minute ago during communion. He, he, he uh, sold out Jesus. And so he got replaced with another one. But here's what happens in the book of Acts. Here's what happens. I want you to get this. Even though Jesus had 12 personally trained disciples that he used to change the world, God was looking back as like, you know, as good as this team is, I need more people on my team if I'm going to make this my dream team. So in Acts chapter 9, we see that God recruited a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. 
Now, Saul of Tarsus was an enemy to the early church, but God knew if my church is going to be effective, I got to bring people and add them to the team. So Saul gets converted. He becomes Paul. Now, God, I want, I want you to get this now. I want you to get this because you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. This is like when Ray Allen left the Boston Celtics to go play with the Miami Heatles and help them win a championship. Seisha was shaking his head. He was like, that traitor. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Or am I the only basketball fan in the room? It was like when Dennis Rodman, who used to play for the Detroit Pistons, joined the Chicago Bulls. Some of the older people in the room are like, now I got you, Pastor. Now I got you. These young ones, they just don't know about the GOAT, Michael Jordan. And so this is what it was like when, when Paul joined the 12 disciples. The disciples didn't even trust him so much that they put him on the bench for three years. I'm not playing. For, they put him on the bench for about three years. He showed up. He's like, I had a Jesus encounter. Mm-hmm, go sit on the bench. I mean, this guy would write over half the New Testament. And the first thing that he did when he got to Jerusalem, the, di- the disciples said, sit on the bench. We still don't trust you because he played for the wrong team. And God was building out his dream team. But it wasn't just Paul. There's another person by the name of Luke. And if you know who Luke is, even though he writes his own gospel, He's not actually one of the 12 disciples. This is like Bible for dummies right here. Most people are like, the apostle Luke. No, Luke was not an apostle. Luke was hired by a person to investigate what the disciples were doing. Luke was hired to investigate the claims of Jesus. Luke was hired to investigate the disciples. And here's what happened. While Luke, who was a physician, a very detailed oriented man, was investigating the disciples, the Bible says that Luke got converted. Why? Because Jesus said, you're playing for the wrong team. I'm putting you on my dream team. And so Luke gets converted. Let me talk to you some more. There was another early church father by the name of Apollos. Do you guys know who Apollos is? We first see him in the Bible. He's in the book of Acts, but we really see him in the book of Corinthians. And if you're wondering who was Apollos, he didn't write the book of the Bible. Who was Apollos? He doesn't have anything contained within the scriptures. Well, let me tell you who Apollos was. Apollos must have been some teacher because in the book of Corinthians, there was a debate over who was the leader of the church. Was it Paul or Apollos? So if Apollos could hang with the apostle Paul, you know Apollos was somebody. I mean, if you're going to take a guy and say, you know what? I think he teaches a little better than Paul. I'm going to make him my pastor. He had to be a great teacher. He wasn't one of the 12, but Jesus was building his team. God was building his team, so he plucked up Apollos, and he put Apollos on the team. Let me give you one more. There's a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy was not one of the 12 apostles, and yet he shows up in the New Testament because he is a protege of the apostle Paul. He's not just a protege, but he's a prodigy. I mean, this is a young man in his early 20s that Paul would plant a church, and then he'd give the keys of the church over to Timothy. He said, you're going to pastor this church. And then Paul would start another church. He said, yo, Timothy, you should pastor this church. I'm already pastoring over here. Yeah, but you can do more than that. So Timothy, in his early 20s, pastored multiple churches. Now, I say all of that to lead us to this point. God was building his team. Even though he personally poured into 12 even though he personally mentored the, the, the 12 disciples, he grabbed Paul, he grabbed Apollos, he grabbed Timothy. And the list goes on and on and on. Why? Because it takes a team to accomplish God's purposes here on earth. 
It's, I see it in the New Testament. There was not one guy that took the baton from Jesus and continued on the work. There was a team of people. There was a team of men. There was a team of women. And they all came together to execute God's plans here on earth. Tell your neighbor it takes a team. And this is what I think Nehemiah was able to do when he inspired the people in chapter 3 of Nehemiah. He was able to get them all working together. The Bible says they had a mind to work. Listen to me, Lighthouse. As we now are in the process of building this church here in the city of Vista, it's going to take what? A team. It's going to absolutely take a team. It's going to take every single member of this church using the gifts and the talents that God has given them to build the church of Lighthouse here in the city of Vista and to expand the kingdom of God here in the North County. Who wants to be a part of that? I said, who wants to be a part of that? I heard it said this way. We do not rise to the level of our dream, but we rise to the level of our team. We don't rise to the level of our dream. We rise to the level of our team. And that's so true, isn't it? I'm going to go back to another sports analogy because I just love sports. You all kind of figuring that out about your pastor, right? Like he sure does talk a lot about the sports. I do. I do. Unashamedly, okay? But, but you look at some of the athletes that are excelling right now, people like uh, Russell Wilson, people like a LeBron James, people like a Tom Brady, and we read the reports of how much money they put into their bodies, and they don't just, they have a team, right? And the, the, the best of the best, it's never just them, but they have a team. And I believe God is calling this church to do something so incredible. I believe there is a movement that is being birthed out of this church and it is going to affect all of the North County, but it ain't going to happen if we don't have a team. We're never going to get there if we don't have a team that like Nehemiah records here, they had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. And that's what we read here in Nehemiah chapter 3. We also see this in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4 when we read this passage of Scripture where Paul begins to talk about how we do work in the New Testament church. Paul said this, And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Somebody say work. work. Ministry is work. Ministry ain't social media likes, influences, shares, and reels. Ministry is work. He says he, 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 he commissioned all these people to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the description that Paul gives of what it is like for the church working together. And I see this. I see this. I see our incredible L Kids team. Let's shout down our L Kids team right now. They are the real MVPs. Doing it even when no one is around. But, but they do an incredible job pouring into the children and then the children age out of L kids and then they move in here and then we get them working in the dream team but then the baton is passed from Yessi over to Peter and Ruthie Castro and now this team is going to take now our students and pour into them and then eventually when they age out of students the baton is passed to Joe and Madai and then when they and when they get married and they move out of that group then they go into connectors but do you see how the church everybody doing their part everybody working together we are building people into the fullness of Christ. Let's say that one more time. We are building people, not to a platform, not to influence, but purely into the fullness of Christ. That's our job right there. 
It is to get people to mature so that every single day, as days pass by, they're looking more like Jesus every single day. Come on, isn't that a good goal to have for our lives? That every single day, I'm looking just a little more like Jesus. I made the bold statement a few weeks ago. Some of you got the shock factor, but I, I said that to make the point. Heaven is not the goal. Heaven is the byproduct of living in relationship with Christ and every single day dying to yourself so that you become more like him. You do that, you're going to go to heaven. There's so many people, they just think, well, I just got to get to heaven. Well, what happens after you give your life to Christ? Do you just stop right there? Hey, I got in. Do I just chill? No, no, no. That's why heaven ain't the goal. Looking like Jesus more, more every single day. That's the goal. That's what Paul's talking about. Till we be a church of the fullness of Christ. And that's what the church does. Every single day, raising people up. Every single day, bringing people closer to Jesus. And that's what we do. And it takes a team. Tell your neighbor one last time. It takes a team. Now, I love in Nehemiah chapter 3 because the Bible starts with this. It says, and the priests started building the gate. I love that. It sets a tone because you know what the priests don't do? Build gates. <laughs> the priests, they did priestly things, right, in the temple. You know what I mean? That's like saying, and Pastor Josh built a fence. I'm way out of my league, okay? I'll be the first to explain. I got shiny tools in my garage. Some of you are amazing carpenters. God bless you. We need you in the church. But, but if it... But if you said, Pastor Josh, go build a fence, I'd be like, man, let me get on YouTube for a bit. I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. Where do I get the lumber? You know what I'm saying? That's just me. That, that's just me. I, I, and I say that unashamedly. People are like, man, the landscaping at your house. Yep, I pay a guy. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I would kill every single plant in my backyard if it was left to me. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, we, we, we finally had this reckoning because we wanted to have plants inside our house, right? Because we're like, let's, let's get some plants in the house. We killed every single plant. So now we are just beyond it. We got these nice, beautiful, artificial plants in our house now. We've just come to terms with it. You know, we said, why fake it? Why fake it? So you come to our house, and when you see our beautiful plants on the inside, fake, okay? Phonies, all right? But they live forever. Praise God. When you see these priests, that is a good word for somebody in this tent. Come on. When you see these priests building the gate, that's what I love. It's like they are way out of their element, and yet they're doing it. I mean, this isn't their wheelhouse, and yet they're doing it. This, this isn't what they were trained to do. Listen, a priest was trained, okay? By the time he was about 12 years old, they start training these boys to be priests. So when they say, go repair that gate, they're like, are you sure you want me to repair that gate? Absolutely. Why? Because we got 52 days to get this job done because Nehemiah's got to go back to Babylon. So you're going to have to get a hammer. You're going to have to get a nails. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. You might get a callus, but get out there and build the gate. I love it. Everyone was doing something. As a matter of fact, that's the next thing that I want you to write down. Everyone brought something. Everyone brought something. And you know what I love here on Sundays? I love here on Sundays how when you come and you see the dream team serving. Come on, let's clap our hands for the dream team. Many of them are doing something that's out of their wheelhouse. Actually, the majority of them are. Those girls making your coffee, they don't work for Starbucks. That's not what they do on a nine to five. They have other jobs, but they do things outside of their wheelhouse to serve the church. 
They do things outside of their skill set to serve the city. And that's a beautiful picture of what it means. It's just, it, it might seem little to you, but it is a way of dying to yourself. It is a way of laying yourself down for the greater cause of the kingdom of God. We've got people working in production and in sound. That's not what they do. It's not what they do nine to five. They've got day jobs, and yet they picked up something else so that they can serve the church and to serve God with their gifts. Everybody is bringing something. We actually read later in Nehemiah chapter 3. I love it when it says, and then the perfumers, <laughs> it's funny, it's like, these people made perfume. It said, and then the perfumers rebuilt this gate. I just, it just tickles me because these are people that make perfume. And they gave them a hammer. They're like, build the gate. I make perfume. Today you're building a gate. I know you make perfume during the day, but <laughs> you're going to go build a gate. Everybody bringing something. What a, what a beautiful picture of the church working together. Amen? Yeah. What a beautiful picture of the church, just, just bringing everything they had to rebuild the gate. And then there's this other part in Nehemiah chapter 3 that I want to highlight. It's in chapter 3, verse 10. I'll read you the scripture, and then we'll talk about the application. It says, next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumamath. I don't even know how to say this name. Harumath. Anybody want to name their kid Harumath? Anyway, repaired opposite his house and next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, repaired. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm reading names, all right? <laughs> Had some crazy names back then. But, but what, here, here's what I want you to get out of this. Here's what I want you to get out of this application right here. Bible says there were some families that all of the gates were being built up. And so when they walked outside their house, there was the wall. They said, I'll rebuild this section. And they just walked across the street and started building the wall that was closest to their house. They, they started repairing the wall that was closest to their home. Parents, can I tell you that in everything you do for the kingdom of God, make sure you are also building a healthy home. Can I tell you that in addition to everything you are doing, to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the church, I need to make sure you get the home right. I need for you to make sure that you get the home right. If you're taking notes, write this down. A healthy church is the fruit of healthy families. A healthy church is the fruit of healthy families. And, and, and you see this throughout Nehemiah. I just read one scripture, but you read this, where the families began to build the walls closest to their home. And think about that. That's a very personal endeavor, isn't it? Making sure that all of the walls that are closest to my home are protected so that my family is protected. I want to make sure that my family is well. I want to make sure that my family is good. At Lighthouse Church, I want to encourage every parent in this house, every couple, listen to me. Make sure your house is well. Do what you have to do to both protect your home and to feed your home. Because if you feed your home and you don't protect your home, you're vulnerable to attack. But if you protect your home and you don't feed your home, you'll still die of starvation. So mom and dad, you got to protect your houses and you got to pour into your children at the same time. Because isn't it terrible when home isn't well? All the married people, you don't have to say amen, but I'm going to come right down your alley right now. Anybody ever go to work after having a fight with your wife and nothing you did at work seemed to matter? Nothing you did on the job seemed to matter? I've been there before. I remember when my wife and I had a difficult season. It felt like nothing I did mattered. I knew that, man, things aren't going good at home. And because things aren't going good at home, nothing I do seems to matter. Anybody been there before? Mom and dad, you ever been there? I know you don't want to admit it. You're like, oh, shoot. I'm going to admit I've been fighting with my wife. 
But women, you've been there too. When, when things aren't well at home, it feels like nothing you do, for, nothing you do matters. And I've been there before. When, when my wife and I were in the middle of a struggle, how difficult it was for me to concentrate on my work. How difficult it was for me to concentrate on school. How difficult it was for me to concentrate on things that I needed to do. So listen to me. Make sure the home is well. Tell your neighbor, take care of the house. Take care of the house. If you don't take care of the house, it will bleed into every single area of your life. Go to work. Everyone's looking at you. What's wrong with you? And you don't even want to tell them, I'm fine. No, you ain't fine. You chewed out your wife on the way home. She caught you spending money on a set of golf clubs you weren't supposed to buy. You don't take care of the home, you're going to see it pour out into every single area of your life. Now, I'm coming to a close now. Let me, let me give you the last few little tidbits here as we wind this sermon down. As I said in the beginning of Nehemiah, I, I, I said this, you can read through Nehemiah and read about this family doing this, and this family doing this, and this family doing that, and think to yourself, that's just a bunch of information, but there's really no application. L- let me just hit you with the last one right here. Let me just hit you with the last one right here. Write this down. God is a recorder of names. God is a recorder of names. Notice, when all of these people started building walls and building gates, who remembered? God remembered. Not only did God remember, but it mattered to him so much that everybody put their mind to work, everyone put their hands to work, that their names are written in the text. Listen to me, Lighthouse Church. You may sometimes feel like what you are doing for Christ isn't seen. Can I tell you that God sees it? Listen to me, Lighthouse Church. You might be thinking that what you are doing has no value. Can I tell you that God is a recorder of names? Can I tell you that God doesn't forget what you do for him? Can I tell you that God doesn't forget how you serve someone? Can I tell you that every single time you do something for Christ, this is what the Bible says, what you do for Christ will last. Come on, somebody clap their hands. I want you to get that beautiful picture and internalize that because lots of times we go through things in our life where we think, is what I'm doing, does it even matter? Does God see me when I'm setting up a speaker? Does God see me when I'm you know, helping people click a form to sign up? Does God see me when I'm making coffee? Does, does God see me when I'm working with children? Does God see me when I'm working with students? Does, does God see me? I mean, I'm not on the stage I'm not on the platform. (laughs) Listen to me, Lighthouse. You can be seen by God or you can be seen by man. You're going to have to make a decision which matters to you most. If, if, If your priority is to be seen by man, you can have that. You can have that. But if your priority is to be seen by God, do the things that have eternal significance and eternal consequence. Do those things. There are things that we do that have eternal results. And there are things that we do that don't. I'm not saying the things that don't have eternal results aren't things that you shouldn't do. But in everything you do, make sure you do things that have eternal results. Make sure you do the things that have eternal consequence. I walk through this every single day. There's things that I do right now for my family, good things to do. There's things that I do for my sons, good things to do. But then there's things that I do for my sons 
that is going to absolutely affect their eternity. And I can't neglect those things. Listen to me, mom and dad. I know you got the next Lionel Messi in your house. And so you got him playing soccer. You got him in club. And you got them busy. Do that. But don't do that to the extent that it takes them away from the things that have eternal significance and eternal consequence. Don't, don't get your kids so busy that they think that you love them more for scoring goals than love them for having a relationship with their creator. And I'm all about it. I'm, I'm a football dad. I'm the first one to tell you. See me on Instagram every Friday nights. We're highlighting my quarterback. But... <laughs> But every single Sunday, we're coming to church. I don't care how cold it is. I don't care how hot it is. We're going to be right here in the house of God. And you're going to be right there in El Kids. Because this is the stuff that lasts. This is the stuff that has eternal consequence. And so, Lighthouse, the last thing I'm going to say, we're closing. Lighthouse, this is, if you're not yet on our dream team yet, if you've not yet joined the church if you're not part of a church and you're just visiting here today, listen to me. Find a church. I would love for you to be here, but if this isn't your cup of tea, that's fine. You want to go to another church? That's fine. But you better find a church. Do not do life alone. Go find yourself a good Bible-believing church. And don't just show up once every six weeks. Plug in. Get involved. Get on a team. Get in a small group. Become generous and start financially supporting the church. I want that for you more than I want that from you. I tell this to people all the time. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but there's a perfect church for you. There's no such thing as a And I promise you, as, as much as I love this church, it ain't a perfect church. We struggled this morning because we're an outdoor church and we got a tent. I think the homeless community knows where they can find some cables. <laughs> so stuff was missing, but we got through it. There's no perfect church. Sometimes we get it wrong. But you know what we could sure use? Look at your neighbor. Tell them we could use you. Some of you have been coming to this church yet, not yet joined the church. I think it's time you join the church. I think you need to meet us at Growth Track on October 20th. I think you need to consider joining the church and not just consider joining the church. I think for some of you that have been coming every Sunday, your next step is to join the Growth Track. I'm sorry, to join the Dream Team. I think some of you have been coming, having a good time. You like being served? I like this church. They serve me coffee. They shake my hand. They're so nice to me. At some point, we want to see you also doing the same thing for others. We, we want to see you doing the same thing for others. Now, now, there's no shame, okay? But I could tell you that it's not something I want from you as much as it's something that I want for you. Because some of you have had your most phenomenal Sundays in service, not sitting in a chair, but out there serving someone. And that has been your best Sunday ever. It's your best Sunday ever when you see the little things that you do have eternal significance and eternal consequence. I share this with our dream team. Sometimes people will come into our church. You don't know their story. We know their story because they're talking to us. They're talking to me, Pastor Julio, Pastor Joe, some of the other pastors. So we know when someone is coming in battling depression. We know when someone's coming in and their marriage is about to end. We know when someone's coming in and they are sick. We know when someone's coming in and their spouse has relapsed and they're on drugs again. We know. We don't go tell anybody that stuff. We keep it deeply personal. But, but, but do you want to know what really moves my heart? 
is when I see these people walking on campus and I know the weight they're carrying, I'm just hoping that our dream team is going to love on them, is going to serve them, is, gonna, is just going to give them a big hug, is going to pray with them. Come on, somebody. You don't know the weight that people walk into this campus with. And that's why we need a team of people serving people. Well, pastor, they look good on the outside, but you don't know what they're dealing with when they get home. And so if you want to start making an eternal difference, would you join this team? Go to Growth Track. If you went through it, join the dream team. I don't know where to start. Go to the Start Here canopy. We made it very easy and obvious for you. Where do I start? Where it says Start Here. We'll get you on the team. And listen, this is the last thing, and then I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to send you all home. You can go watch some football games, all right? If you've not yet been baptized, we're going to have baptisms on Sunday, October 24th. Come on, somebody. How many sign We already got sign-ups. I love it. I love it because we haven't even been pushing it, and people see the link, and they're like, ah, I can sign up, and they're signing up. But there's some people here, and you're like, where do I start? Pastor, I want to join the Dream Team, but I still smoke weed. Pastor, I want to join the Dream Team, but I'm still living in adultery. Pastor, where do I start? How, how do I start? Get baptized. That's the first place that you start where God is going to wash away all of your sins. God is going to change you from the inside going to the outside. I promise you, you'll never be the same again. The Bible says that any man who comes to Christ, he becomes a new creature. So if you're thinking, man, I'd love to serve Pastor Josh, but I'm not ready. Can I tell you, you'll never be ready. Can I tell you, there's never a moment where you're saying, I'm finally good enough for God. Even on your best days, you're not good enough for God. But we get into the water anyway, because it's not what we do that makes us good. It's what he does for us that makes us good. It's how he changes us. It's how he heals us. It's how he breaks the addictions. It's how he saves our marriages. It's how he saves our children. It's how he does it for us. I don't know what type of church you grew up in. And maybe you come from a church where they told you God would only love you if you did these things. This ain't that kind of church. This is a church that tells you that God loves you even when you're at your worst. This is a church that tells you God loves you even before you knew him. He loved you the day that you were formed in the womb of your mother. And he'll never stop loving you. He'll never stop being there for you. He will be there on your darkest night. He will be there in your deepest valley. He'll be there when you're going through hell and when you're coming back out of that hell he's never gonna leave you he's never gonna forsake you he said i'm gonna be with you even until the end of time i'll be with you i'll be a friend who sticks closer than a brother some of you need to be reminded of this right now he doesn't want a religion for you he wants a relationship he wants to serve you he wants to be there with you he invites you into this relationship with him and when he's done changing you, he says, now let's go change the world together. Let's go reach the city together. Let's go reach North County together. Now that I've broken that addiction, let's go find people that were stuck just like you. Now that I've restored your marriage, let's go find some people whose marriages are broken just like yours is broken. And what I did for you, I'll do for them. Come on, somebody. I'll do for them just like I did for you. This is the God we serve. I said, this is the God we serve. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of fourth chances. He's the God of fifth chances. He doesn't give up. He keeps running after you. Even when you're running away from him, guess what? He's running after you. Even when you turn your back on him, 
guess what? He doesn't turn his back on you, but he pursues you day after day, night after night. This is the God we serve. Would you clap your hands all over this place? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.